I think every friend group or every family has this collection of memorable sayings that they like to pull out at random times, kind of uh, recalling some situation or incident. One of my favorite family quotes comes from my wife, the awesome Ruth Steve, who is pretty chill and laid back. And this was from a few years ago, but it comes up all the time. We were at the dinner table. Everybody was kind of talking about a certain topic and everybody had different perspectives. And Ruth is just kind of taking this all in and we're all, all going back and forth after, after each other and this kind of thing. It's all friendly, but it was pretty rapid fire. And she finally interjects and she says, why does everybody have to have so many opinions? And we all laughed. And we've said that over and over again. Why does everybody have to have so many opinions? And the truth is, she's chill and laid back, but she's got opinions. And in fact, everybody has opinions. Some people express them a little bit more uh, openly and forcefully, but everybody has opinions. The home I grew up in, we had seven kids, mom, dad. We were all over the place and, and, and often on opposite ends of the spectrum of opinions. And so I learned early in life how to kind of navigate the, the waters of a lot of different perspectives and opinions. And, you know, we live in a culture today that just is going after each other. People are really a knee-jerk reaction to give their opinions, and everybody's spouting forth their opinions, and we're kind of talking past each other, and we're really not getting anywhere. And if we're not careful, that also bleeds into the spiritual realm, into spiritual conversations, and even how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. So I'm going to talk today, and I love the book of Acts, because the Acts is a, is a story, a record of the early church, and it's how the early followers of Jesus and the apostles encountered lots of different cultural opinions, lots of different perspectives, but they stayed on message, they, they stayed the course, and they faithfully communicated the love and truth of Jesus in the midst of places where everybody had opinions and often differing opinions. So come with me to the book of Acts, and we're going to learn how to encounter God when everybody has opinions. So Jesus said in Acts 1-8, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And they were, and they were fulfilling this. And we're now at Acts um, chapter 17, believe it or not, and they're on what's called the second missionary journey. Paul, the apostle Paul, is leading this along with Silas, Timothy, and Luke. Check out the map here. They have sent out by Antioch. They make their way across again, and they're coming all the way to the, to the uh, Aegean Sea. And then last weekend we saw them at Philippi with the Philippian jailer. And now we pick up what happens after Paul had to leave Philippi. Remember, he was kind of told to leave, and he did peacefully. Uh, and we pick it up. And, and they encountered God at work. And before we get there, I just want to say we're going to encounter all sorts of opinions. As we love our community, as we raise our families, as we live in culture, we're going to encounter all sorts of opinions. And our goal is to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we're going to learn today how to do that well when everybody has opinions. Okay, uh, it says in Acts chapter 17, after they passed through Amphipolis and Ap Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. So here's the map. They come across to Philippi and then just a short distance, uh, about 30 miles to Thessalonica. And uh, as usual, Paul went to the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, so he takes at least three weeks 
Um, and it says there, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. So the word reason is, is to, uh, to uh, dialogue, to kind of help them understand. And there was a little bit of back and forth with this. And he did it from the scriptures. So he opens up the scriptures. And mind you, this is a synagogue that reveres the scriptures. So they're ready to receive this. And it says here, he's, verse 3, explaining and proving. Explaining means kind of digging out the meaning of it. Proving is giving evidence that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer. He goes to the Old Testament scriptures. A lot of the Jewish people expected a triumphant Messiah, and he certainly is triumphant, but they didn't expect a suffering Messiah. And so Paul goes to lots of scriptures in the Old Testament that they had missed or overlooked that talked about a Messiah who would suffer, who would die in their place for their sins. So it was necessary for the Messiah whoever that is, to suffer and rise from the dead. And he goes to all sorts of scriptures that, that point out this resurrection from the dead and the hope of that in the Old Testament. And so he convinces them first that the Messiah, whoever that might be, is one who is going to have to suffer for sins, our sins, and then God's going to raise the Messiah from the dead. And then he says, okay, I've convinced you of that, persuaded you of that, yeah, 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 yeah. He says, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. And he tells the story of Jesus. And he links up all of Jesus' life, his birth, his life, his miracles, his teaching, and ultimate leading up to the cross and the resurrection. And he says, it's all right there. And only Jesus of Nazareth fulfills those scriptures. So he took time to explain to them. This was the good news. He's saying the Messiah has come. He had to suffer and rise from the dead. And now he's come and his name is Jesus. Believe in him. Trust in him. Put your faith in him. He came for you. Verse 4. Some of them were persuaded. So they, they reasoned it through, they heard it through, and they were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. In other words, they, they joined the ranks. They said, yeah, we're in. We're, we're following Jesus too, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks. So there were not just Jewish folks, but Gentiles who had come to believe in the one true and living God, as well as a number of the leading women. So some of the women in Thessalonica were like, we're in too. And so they're reporting what's happened here. Um, and it was, it was tremendous. So here's the first principle. As you engage people in culture with lots of different perspectives, principle number one, be reasonable, be patient, and stay centered in Scripture. So first, let's be reasonable. He dialogued with them. This was a conversation. This wasn't a shouting match. We, that's how we we work with folks. We understand them. We listen to their perspective. We hear them out. And as they ask questions, we interact with them. Just be reasonable, okay? And then be patient. He took his time with them. It says he's three Sabbaths. So people that were already very familiar with the scriptures, he took three long weeks. And it may be that he spent up to two months in Thessalonica, but at least three weeks just in the synagogue. So he was patient with them. He took his time to have these conversations. And, and then he stayed centered in Scripture. He went to the Scriptures with them. And he didn't go off on hobby horses. He didn't go off on his pet peeves. He didn't 
He didn't go off on bunny trails, although I'm sure there were a lot of them. When we're having spiritual conversations, we want to stay centered and keep the main things the main things. Folks, it doesn't mean that you can't have opinions about, uh, about matters and about uh, things that happen in culture. But it does mean as a follower of Jesus, your first and foremost responsibility is to stay centered on Jesus. And sometimes if we're not careful, we let other secondary matters kind of cloud and eclipse the great and good news that we have to share about Jesus. And Paul was very careful not to do that, and we should be too. He says, this Jesus, this Jesus. Are we talking about this Jesus? Not the Jesus of our own imaginations, not the Jesus of our political persuasion, not the Jesus of, of, of culture, not the Jesus of the left or the Jesus of the right, but this Jesus, the Jesus in Scripture. That's the one we want to, Stay centered on. And by the way, it means we have to stay centered on Jesus. Uh, sometimes we, we have to stay centered on the scriptures. It doesn't mean that we always start conversations with spiritual outsiders in the scriptures because some of them don't know anything about the scriptures. And we're going to find next weekend that they, he went to Athens. They didn't have any, they have knowledge about the scriptures uh, very much anyway. So sometimes you got to start further back. But in the synagogue, start with the scriptures. But the main point is you, whether, wherever your crowd is, you stay centered in the scriptures. Even if they don't want to necessarily talk about the scriptures, you keep in your own mind, I gotta, I gotta stay centered in my faith. I can't go off on all these tangents about secondary matters, especially when I'm having spiritual conversations. Here's just a few thoughts I wanna give to you on conversations when everybody has opinions. And, and these are just kind of pastoral, hopefully some wisdom from scripture that will help us, all right? So when you're having these conversations, uh, here's a, a passage from uh, James. My brothers and sisters, uh, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Become good listeners. Slow to speak. I got an opinion. Just don't always have to say it. I had a, I had a friend who said, here's a new concept. They told another person who just always had to say their opinion. He said, there's a new concept, an unexpressed thought. Just because you think something doesn't mean you have to say it. And you have to bite your tongue a lot if you're going to make spiritual progress, especially with outsiders to the faith. And slow to anger. You're hearing some stuff that makes you so mad, but we calm down. So the question is, can I become quick, slow, slow? Quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Here's another scripture from Proverbs. Got lots of wisdom in Proverbs. There is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Here's my question. When, you're, when I'm having these conversations, is my goal to defeat them, to take out the sword and defeat them, or to help them? If I speak rashly, it's like a piercing sword. I'm, I come out of battle with them. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Am I really there to help them? Am I really there to bring the healing good news of Jesus? Or is it just to win an argument? Keep going. A fool does not delight in understanding but only wants to show off his opinions. Now, outside the, the people of God, we understand this. Lots of people just want to tell their opinions all the time. And, you know, whatever. 
But as followers of the one true God, we need to seek understanding. We want to understand the scriptures, and we also want to understand the people around us. The fool doesn't care about that, doesn't delight in learning more and understanding more deeply. He only wants to show off his opinions. And it's not necessarily about the scriptures. It's just about my take on this or that, secondary or outside issues. Be careful about that. Here's another one. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. It's okay to be fully uh, convinced that Jesus is Lord, of course. But there are other topics that, you know, that might come up. And sometimes on secondary matters, we're so convinced that our way is right and we have to share that way on, on stuff that isn't even central to the good news of Jesus. But the wise person listens to others. They're willing to hear somebody else out, even if they really disagree. This is hard and I truly believe as a, as a culture, we have lost the art of just friendly, civil conversation. Let's, as followers of Jesus, let's, let's be uh, on the forefront of civil conversations with folks in person, online, social media, everywhere. The question here is, am I content with my echo chamber? I just surround myself with people who just agree with me, believe what I believe, and just build walls so I never encounter anybody else. I never hear anybody else. As followers of Jesus, we're like, we want to be like Jesus, friend of sinners. Jesus sat down with the woman at the well and heard all sorts of stuff about her life that was not aligned with Scripture at all. But he was a friend, and he listened. And he had a conversation, and it was transforming. Verse 5, but the Jews became jealous of all the Gentiles who were converting and saying, we love the Jesus, we don't follow Jesus. And they brought together some wicked men. Uh, the wicked men here is just kind of low lowlifes that were just nothing to do. They were hanging around, didn't have jobs, from the marketplace. And they formed a mob, and they started a riot in the city. Wow, this is, this is not good attacking Jason's house. So Jason evidently was keeping the, the, this apostolic band of, of brothers in his house. He was a friend. And they attacked Jason's house. They said, we're going to find those, those troublemakers, Paul and Silas, Timothy and Luke. And they searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down, which is kind of true, but it wasn't meant as a compliment. They were turning the world upside down or maybe right side up. They've come here too. And Jason has welcomed them. Bad Jason from Thessalonica. And we need to teach him a lesson. It says... They are all con acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Which was true. The essence of the Christian message was that Jesus is king. And that there are many different you know, rulers and so forth. But ultimately, Jesus is Lord of all. He is the king. But they didn't mean it in a political sense. They didn't mean it in a, in a civic sense, but they misunderstood it. And they thought they were about some kind of political revolution. 
Verse 8, the crowd and the city officials who heard these things were upset. Well, of course you are. And they were out of hand. They were jealous. This wasn't about defending Caesar. This was about the apostles were winning over some people to this Jesus. And they made this flimsy thing up about Jesus being this political guy. And after taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they release them. So the officials actually take a more modest, moderate approach. They say, okay, okay, Jason isn't even them. He just, they were at his house, so let's let him go. He is security bond, and now they're on the hunt for Paul and the others. Here's the second principle. When everybody has opinions, you can expect both misunderstanding and or opposition to the message. Some people are going to just misunderstand it. When we're sharing about Jesus and who he is, they're going to misunderstand it and, and put it through their filter. And whatever filter they have, they're going to misapply some of the things that we're talking about. And we need to be careful not to feed that, but we also need to expect that some people are not going to understand what we're talking about. And the words that we use, King Jesus, they may have another meaning that they put to it. And we'll have to carefully explain that and help people to come to an understanding but some people are going to just get upset. And some people are going to get more than upset or misunderstand. They're actually going to oppose us. And they get really aggressive about it. And that's what they did here. So the point of all this is expect the misunderstanding. Expect the opposition. But don't you get upset. Don't you be dragged into that kind of emotional turmoil and craziness. Above all people in this world, we need to be reasoned. We need to be careful. We need to... Uh, avoid emotional, angry outbursts, personal attacks on people. Let's just stay with truth. Let's just stay with this Jesus, all right? You can have opinions about other stuff, but let's stay focused, all right? Verse 10, as soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea so they knew where they were Staying, and they said, You guys, it's probably too hot anymore in Thessalonica. You probably need to head out to your next post. So they went to, to Berea, and upon arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. So take a map here. Uh, they go from Philippi, another about 30 miles down the road, to Berea. So here we are in Berea. And here is one of the most important and meaningful statements in Scripture. It's in verse 11. The people in Berea were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. So these were good folks. This was a reasonable community. This was people that were honest and sincere truth seekers. They were more noble character than those in Thessalonica since they, why? Received the word with eagerness. They were open. They weren't cynics or skeptics or just angry about everything. They received the word with eagerness. They heard the message. And they said, we want to hear this. We're, 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 we love to hear different perspectives. We want to hear what you have to say. They were open-minded. And it says, and they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So they were open, not cynical, but they weren't gullible either. They didn't, weren't just ready to say, we need to be patient with folks. And we ourselves need to be open-minded, not cynical, and we need to be not gullible, just believe anything just because somebody tells us that. Instead, it says they actually opened up the scriptures and examined the scriptures daily 
I mean, there's an eagerness, there's an open-mindedness to hear this message of Christianity. And they said, okay, is it really true? Now, this is remarkable. I want you to think about this. The apostle Paul himself comes to their town, gives them the message about Jesus, and you might think that, you know, they thought, well, we, I, I'm so offended. Jesus himself sent me here. I, I've seen the risen Lord, and you're not believing me? But they're commended for saying, okay, this guy's saying this, Paul saying this, the apostle Paul saying this, but are this, does this really line up with the prophecies and the teaching of the Old Testament scriptures? Good for you. That's what this passage is saying. Good for you, Bereans. You're of more noble character. Wow. So we ask ourselves, and if you're a spiritual outsider or even a spiritual insider to the faith, you're allowed to, in fact, you're encouraged to be an open-minded, but to say, does this all add up? Check it out for yourself. Here's the principle. When everybody has opinions personally and enthusiastically search the scriptures daily for God, I, I, we challenge you, seek it out for yourself. Is this where the scriptures really line up? Personally, enthusiastically, get into the word every day. And by the way, if you are new to the scriptures or you're new to exploring Christianity, I want to encourage you, you can explore this very in a safe place where there's dialogue around tables. There's a great meal starting Sunday, September 12th, and it's a place we call Alpha. It is a fantastic course, and especially if you're a spiritual explorer or you're a doubter or you're a skeptic and you're not sure about all this Christianity stuff, please get online with Alpha or come in person starting Sunday, September 12th. If you're here on campus this weekend as you hear this message, uh, you can stop by in the atrium and there are people there that would love to interact with you and, and share more about Alpha. All right, but if you're a follower of Jesus, I wanna give you just a few kind of uh, pastoral um, insights on opening up the scriptures yourself and to make sure that you're one who diligently searches the scripture daily to see if things are true. In other words, you're gonna hear a lot of opinions about stuff in culture. If believers in Jesus, because he is Lord and he said the scriptures are true and the apostles are conveying his truth, Jesus said that, so we open up the scriptures. But let me give you a couple of, of things to think about. First, as we open up the scriptures, we never want to reinterpret the scriptures. In other words, we, don't, we want to take it up and let it speak for itself. We never want to reinterpret interpret the scriptures in light of your life experiences. There's a lot of people who's like, well, that was true until this happened and now I have a different view of this. I've seen so many people chuck long-held beliefs that are solidly in scripture, but when it conflicted with their moral choices or their life experience, suddenly they abandoned them. Don't reinterpret scripture in light of your life experiences. Be honest and humble before God. Here's another one. Don't reinterpret scripture uh, with your, going with your gut or your feelings. The scripture warns us against this. In Proverbs 3 it says, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Instead, in all your ways, know God, know him, and he will direct your paths. So in other words, our culture really encourages us, go with your gut, trust your feelings, go with your heart. And I get that, but our hearts are, apart from the word of God, can really go astray. And we're, uh, scripture says, apart from God, their hearts are actually desperately wicked. Wow, Jeremiah the prophet says that. So 
we got to be careful about going with our gut or allowing our gut or our feelings, which are up and down all the time emotions, to allow us to reinterpret the plain meaning of Scripture. Okay, keep going. Here's another one. Um, don't reinterpret Scripture in light of the pressure of public opinion. Um, it is naturally human to want to fit in. It's naturally human to not want to stand out and buck the trend. Many, many people feel the pressure, the peer pressure, and there's all sorts of it around us constantly. But we have to stand strong. And we have to say, if Jesus, the scriptures teach this, then I need to follow it in spite of it, of what the public opinion may be on this. On the other hand, uh, we need to uh, also stay away from the latest cultural trends. That is, oftentimes we're swept up into the tide of whatever happens to happening in culture, and that becomes the top of our agenda now. And then we reinterpret scripture that is clear and plain in light of cultural trends. This has always happened, and it has often led believers astray throughout the ages. And Christians throughout the ages have ended up swimming along, floating downstream with wherever the culture uh, was telling them to go. We need to be extremely careful about that. On the other hand, we need to be careful of just reinterpreting Scripture in light of human traditions. So if you're raised in church, sometimes we think, well, you know what, um, this is true because we've always done it this way. I'm not talking about time-honored things that are in the scriptures. I'm just talking about human traditions and practices. The Pharisees were famous for this. If we're not careful as Christians, we can become Pharisees and we're actually just defending human traditions. The question for us is not what do I believe or how we always done it, but where stands it written? Where, what has God said about this? And then also, let's never reinterpret Scripture in light of our favorite Bible teacher. There's always a danger when people close their Bibles and just start writing down whatever somebody is saying to them. In this situation in Berea, they were commended. The Apostle Paul himself came and um, they took out the Scriptures and said, is this really true? And I want to tell you, uh, you know, myself and Pastor Brandon, um, we, we're not really interested in you saying, well, Pastor Quentin says this and Pastor Brandon says this. Only it has to be aligned with scriptures. It has to be in line with what the scriptures teach. And so search the scriptures and see if what, whatever is being said in any context is true and aligns with the word of God. Help me understand your word, O oh God. Here's another one. Some of you hear all this and say, yeah, but I don't, I don't know if I can really do that. Can I really do that with, on my own with the Bible? You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Let me just encourage you. Um, ask God to lead you. I don't want to lean on my own understanding. I just want to hear what you have to say in your word, Lord. Here's another one. Take the most natural reading of the text. Instead of a cultural understanding, just what does it plain meaning mean? Here's another one. Pay attention to the context. What are the verses? Don't just take a verse, a proof text, one verse, but what's happening around those passages. As you get into Bible studies and good Bible teachers, you're going to learn how to do that better. Also in the historical context, sometimes it's embarrassing how we take things in the scripture and instead of thinking about 
what it meant to the original hearers, we reinterpret it in light of 21st century and think it's all talking about um, you know, something that you know, lines up with, with our current trends or something. There are themes and truths from Scripture that apply to all ages, but we need to know it in its historical context, what it really meant uh, to the original hearers and not twist it to mean something different than in our own days. And then also always compare Scripture with Scripture. Scripture will never contradict itself, so look at it in the context of all of Scripture. Beware of novelties. Beware of things that have never been taught before in the history of the Christian church. If they're brand new things, the interpretations that have never been taught, they're almost certainly false. Stay in a word-honoring community. Stay in a community that honors the word of God. And humility goes a long, long way. Be humble. Don't assume you have all the answers. Open your heart and say, God, direct me. By the way, today, if you're on campus, I would like to encourage you to get your own Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have them available here today, and we'd love to have you check those out and, uh, uh, and, and get your own uh, Bible today. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 12, uh, excuse me, verse uh, uh, 11. So they're a noble character. They receive the word with eagerness. They examine the scriptures daily. Good for them, verse 12. Consequently, many of them believed, including a number of the prominent Greek women as well as men. When everybody has opinions and it seems like you're getting nowhere, there's going to be some good folks. And there's going to be some people who have open hearts. The Holy Spirit is going to be moving. And principle number four is this. Anticipate that God is working in many hearts to bring them to, to faith. Don't get discouraged. There's going to be people that have open hearts to the message. And uh, so what? Thessalonica wasn't... A, as open. Berea was more open. It's okay. There's another day. And Paul and his, his followers, his, his band had to go through a lot of suffering and difficulties, but um, they were in the end, those suffering and difficulties actually led them to leave Thessalonica and then go to Berea. So sometimes the hostilities and especially the suffering when life seems so unfair and when you're in the midst of opinions or, or just when life is hard, hard, hard and you suffer, you think, what's God's doing? Maybe God is doing that, allowing that so that you can have a positive impact on somebody else. In just a few short weeks, we're going to have an amazing conference called Good for All here at Valley Church. I encourage you to get signed up. But we have one of our speakers coming. Her name is Catherine Wolf. And Catherine Wolf is an amazing uh, survivor of a, a catastrophic stroke. And she's an incredible follower of Jesus. And she talks about how her suffering and the difficulties she's gone through have opened up a lot of doors. Let's listen to what she has to say. I had no medical history, no doctors monitoring anything. I was normal and perfectly healthy. In fact, I was actually extremely active. I had been an aerobics instructor um, and had a baby naturally six months before, and I had been doing some commercial print modeling. So I was at like Target ads and, you know, sweet little catalog work. And anyway, I technically was paying the bill. But yeah, that was obviously a vast change for me to have been paid for my appearance, basically, and then to have a paralyzed face and have that happen overnight. 
once I had like relearned to eat and speak and walk and sort of could start to wake up to just a bigger picture here, I was able to kind of recognize a couple things. One, that my story of overcoming would become someone else's survival guide down the road. And that was very powerful to think that maybe a young mom who's in a wheelchair needs to know that there is life on the other side of this. There's this crazy freedom. No one's trying to worship at the idol of a pain-free life. Instead, people are like, there is pain in our stories. And we can still experience joy in those same stories. And we're here for that. Amazing, amazing, amazing. You are not going to want to miss Catherine Wolf and 20 other speakers. So I encourage you, get signed up. Uh, Goodforall2021.com. We would love to have you there. And I know you're going to be profoundly transformed uh, as you hear uh, these messages. Let's close it out. Verse 13. But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea, hey, wait a minute, people are believing over there. They came there too, agitating and upsetting the crowd. Some people just have to poke, have to, have to troll, have to stir it up. There's lots of people like that then and now. And the brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul away to go to the coast. It became too hot in Berea. But Silas and Timothy stayed on there. So it was okay for Silas and Timothy to stay. But for Paul, he had to go away. Those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, checked the map out. And after receiving instructions for Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. So they left Berea and they came down to Athens and we'll get there next week. Amazing, amazing time there. Here's the last principle. When everybody has opinions, be courageous and be smart. Sometimes it's just too intense. It's just too hot. And it's okay to step back like Paul did. He actually left town. Sometimes it's okay to step back from a conversation. Sometimes it's okay to step back when it's too hostile and you're being attacked. In the words of the great theologian, Kenny Rogers, you got to know when to hold them and, and when to fold them and when to walk away, when to run, you know? That's what we're talking about here. Encountering God when everybody has opinions. If you got a, a community card here, there's a blank on it there. And I would love for you to write down there, just in a sentence, what was your main takeaway from today? I want to I ask you that, to write that. In the end, the main question for every single person, including yourself and me, to answer is this. Is Jesus Lord? And if Jesus is Lord, if he really, Jesus of Nazareth, truly was who he claimed to be, the Son of God, and if Jesus died on the cross in our place, and if Jesus truly is raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, and coming again, he is Lord. And for that reason, we say, my knee will bow. My tongue will confess that he is Lord. If Jesus is Lord, and if he has said that his word is truth, which he did, 
And if he has said that I, he told the promise of the apostles, I will fill you with all wisdom so that you can teach the truth and record the truth and write down what I have taught you. And he did. Then from here on out in my life to follow Jesus, if he really is who he claimed to be, that from here on out, I no longer judge the word. I no longer say, I'll decide. But rather the word directs my life. The word guides my life. And when everybody else has opinions, God's word is true. Father in heaven, thank you for today. I pray that you would speak to every single one of us to show us the way, the truth, the life, Jesus. And help us to be ones who eagerly, daily search the scriptures to hear everything that we hear in culture, in community, online, friends, family, even in church. And say, what are the scriptures teaching me? Is, is what I'm hearing aligned and under the authority of the word of God? And help shape and form our hearts to follow you, Lord Jesus, because you are Lord. And everybody agreed and said, amen, amen. God bless you all.